0: It is so good to have friends. Our first scripture lesson comes to us from the Psalms today. This song of David celebrates the steadfast love of the Lord. No matter what our circumstance, in good times and bad, the Lord is faithful. God's light never fades. Listen to the word of God as it comes to us from Psalm 36, beginning with verse 5. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reaches into the clouds. Thy righteousness is like great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wing. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. And thou shalt take them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright of heart. The word of the Lord.
1: Our second lesson comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, the 12th chapter, beginning with the 28th verse. Listen again to God's word to us. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You've truly said that he is one and beside him there is no other and to love him with all the heart and understanding and strength and love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any other questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping you and we pray that we may love you and our neighbor wisely in christ we pray amen in november 1983 in a white house rose garden ceremony president ronald reagan signed into law a bill creating a federal holiday to honor the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., 15 years after the civil rights leader was assassinated in Memphis. Later, the president gave this proclamation. In celebrating the birthday of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., we honor an American who recognized the great injustice of segregation and discrimination, and made it his life's purpose and toil to right these wrongs in favor of justice, freedom, equality, fairness, and reconciliation. Now, over 50 years later, after Dr. King's death, We still celebrate his life, his gifts of intellect, passion, and political savvy offered to the service of justice. His very life sacrificed for the cause of equality. But Dr. King was more than a political reformer. He was in every way a Christian prophet. One biographer said it this way. It was the Bible that led him to choose the more excellent way of love and nonviolent protest over hatred and despair and violence. It was the Sermon on the Mount that inspired the dignified social action of the civil rights movement. It was the redemptive suffering of Jesus that inspired King's understanding of creative suffering and to critics, to critics who accused him of being an extremist, Dr. King said that he stood in a long line of extremists, including the prophet Amos, Jesus, the apostle Paul, Martin Luther, Thomas Jefferson, and Abraham Lincoln. For Dr. King, the question was, what kind of extremist we will be? Extremists for hate or for love? For injustice or for justice? For evil or for goodness? Well, there are a thousand ways we could honor Dr. King today, I want to focus specifically on this part His understanding of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. A belief that fueled his conviction that we are all called to be extremists for the love of God. I came across a powerful sermon by Dr. King that spells out the effect that God's love can have on our lives. King begins by claiming there is no word in the English language that is more familiar than the word love, but love isn't simple. In order to understand love and its meaning and many qualities, we must understand that there are many levels of love. And oh my goodness, what King does with the rest of the sermon would be a course worthy of psychology, sociology, and theology. I commend you listening to it. King starts with the lowest level, what he calls utilitarian love. Here, one loves another for his usefulness to him. Some people never rise above that level. They see other people as mere steps by which they can climb to their personal ends and ambitions. And the minute they discover they can't use these persons, they dissociate themselves. Now, it's easy to see what's wrong with that kind of love. Number one, it's based on true selfishness. The person engaged in utilitarian love really loves only himself through somebody else. The second thing wrong is that it ends up depersonalizing human beings. The minute you use a person as a means, the person becomes an object. When you use things, and you use somebody, you, he says, thingify that person. I think that's a beautiful word for it. Or to use Martin Buber's words, whenever life degenerates to the level of I and it, instead of I and thou, it becomes dangerous and terrible. This, King says, is the very heart of racial segregation. And and the third thing wrong, he says, with utilitarian love is that it's always conditional love. King tells a story of a conversation he had with a white man in Albany, Georgia. The man told him, you know, the thing that worries me so much about this movement here is that it's creating so much tension and we've had such peaceful and harmonious race relations. He went on to say, I used to love the Negro, but I don't have that kind of love for him I used to. You know, I used to give money to Negro churches Even the man who worked for me, I'd give him something extra every year. I'd give him a suit, but I don't feel that way now. I don't love Negroes as I used to. And King said to himself, you never did love Negroes because your love was a conditional love. It was conditioned upon the Negro staying in his place. And the minute he stood up as a man and as somebody, you didn't love him anymore because your love was a utilitarian love that grew up from the dark days of slavery and then almost 100 years of segregation. This is what the system has done, King says. It makes for the crudest form of love. Amen. Amen. Now, Dr. King could have ended his sermon there with that call to repentance for every single one of us. Every single time we've diminished a person, treated them as an it, kept them in their place through racism or sexism or intellectual paternalism or the zero-sum game of achievement that makes us look down on others for the sake of our own egos. Not that I know anything about that. But King doesn't end there. Instead, poignantly, he names other levels of love, real love that we experience. There's a romantic love, which he calls beautiful indeed. Above that, there's a mother's love, the loving care, the tender concern, the patience. Above that is the love of friendship, united because of a common interest. You labor a long time to find a genuine friend, he says. Somebody who's so close they know your heartbeat. And above that, King says, is humanitarian love a more inclusive love where we recognize that within every person there is something sacred. And then he says this. He says none of those is the highest level of love. None of them. Because in King's view all of these have some element of selfishness to them. A notion that is difficult but true. In romantic love, he says, you love your lover because there's something about that person who attracts you, the way they look, the way they talk, their intellectual qualities, and it's still about you. And mother's love can't be the highest. That one pained me. He says, we hate to hear that, but a mother loves her child because it's her child and not somebody else's. And the love of friendship is for a person who has mutual concerns that you like to be with. And even humanitarian love, he says, has a danger point. I had never thought of this before. He says, it's impersonal. It says, I have this abstract love for humanity, which is never quite concretized in any individual. Dostoevsky said in one of his novels, I love humanity in general so much that I don't have to love anybody in particular. (laughs) It's so easy to love an abstraction of humanity and not love individual human beings. Now, I had trouble with this one that King said, but then he gave this example. He said, in the 60s, he said, There are the millions of dollars raised by many of the white churches in the South and all over America that they send to Africa for missionary efforts because of humanitarian love. But if the Africans who get that money come into their churches to worship on Sunday morning, they would kick them out. They love humanity in general, but they don't love individual Africans in particular so the question remains obviously utilitarian love is not real love but if romantic love and a mother's love and the love of friendship and humanitarian love isn't the highest then what is the answer, of course, is what the Greeks call agape. King says it's unmotivated. It's spontaneous. It's overflowing. It's, it's seeking nothing for ourselves in return. King, King says all the lesser forms of love are are based motivated on some quality in the object you know its usefulness its beauty the fact that it's our child our mutual interest even the generalized sacred spark of humanity but when we rise to agape true christian love when we rise to agape it is higher than all of this it becomes the love of God operating in the human heart. It becomes the love of God operating in the human heart. And the greatness of it is that you love every person, not for your sake, but for theirs. And you love every person because God loves them. Jew or Greek, Male or female, red or yellow or black or white. And most remarkably of all, King says, it comes to the point where you even love the enemy. You even love the enemy. Christian love does something no other love can do. You hate the deed your enemy does and he may be evil, but you love the person who did the evil deed. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr who was killed for his convictions, for his advocacy, for his prophecy, for his good trouble, had above all this motivation. The motivation of God's love, the extremism of God's love. Let me close with these words of his. He says, this is what we have before us as Christians. This is what God has left for us. He's left us love. And as he has loved us, let us love the brother or sister. And I'm convinced this morning, he says, that love is the greatest power in the world and this is our legacy and this is what we have and may we go on with a love in our hearts that will change us and change the lives of those who surround us. I don't know how it is for you but I do know that that kind of love is not easy and it is the most important lesson we can learn from him how to love our neighbors as ourselves even when there's nothing in it for us it's fitting that in just a moment we close this service with the words of Desmond Tutu in the hymn we're about to sing It's a hymn called, Goodness is Stronger Than Evil. My prayer on this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend is this, that we actually live believing that it's so. Amen.